to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Thank you, Christian. Uh, that The ministry that we do here for students doesn't fall on myself or even Hannah, who does, she does an amazing job and a wonderful partner in ministry. But we have a group of leaders, volunteers, that give time to be here Sunday nights for our youth services. They lead small groups. They go on mission trips and all sorts of things. It's a commitment that they make, and I'm so grateful for them. And most, many of them are here today. So if you're one of our leaders that works with 412 students, middle or high school, will you just stand up real quick so that we can just acknowledge you and clap for you and say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's countless hours and time spent investing in students. And with that, you know, every year we have people that join the team. We have people that step off the team for various reasons. And this year we have some significant leaders, specifically in middle school, that are moving away and things are happening. And so we always have a need. And I always want to take time on you Sunday to just present it to you and say, hey, uh, some people are scared of teenagers. You don't have to be. But some of you feel, maybe you feel like, you know what? I would love to invest some time in young people. And so I want to let you know, we have some needs. We, have, we need a couple of middle school boy leaders. We need a couple of middle school gal leaders. One high school guy leader, one high school um, gal leader. We uh, would love to talk. If you at all have had this, like, you know what? I should really talk to them about in volunteering in youth ministry. Well, here's your invitation to do that. We would absolutely, Hannah or I would love to have a conversation with you and just talk more about it. So you could pull me aside after church. You could write it on the community card. Um, you could then email us or whatever. Over the summer, we work at putting together our team for the fall. So I'm grateful for the team we have, and we always want to be adding to it. Well, a little bit about me. Um, my name is Dan. I've been a youth pastor here at Hillcrest for, this is my 16th year, which is hard to believe that. So... And my kids have grown up here. Uh, my wife is Connie. They are sleeping in today, so they'll be here at second service. Sorry, but uh, uh, Connie, I have, and we've been married for maybe 23 years this summer. Uh, Nathan is 21, lives in Portland area. Joel's 19. He goes to Western, lives on campus. Hardly hear from him. It's like he lives in another state. And, uh, and then I have Ellie at home, who's a junior in high school, and we just love, this has been where they've grown up. They were five, three, and one when we moved here, and you guys, many of you have watched them grow up, and that's been a wonder, amazing community to be a part of. So this morning, I wanted, the title is this, Plans, Plans, Plans. There's a bit of a theme going on here today with this, and as a culture, we plan a lot. When we're young, we're supposed to plan out our future. What college am I going to go to? What degree should I get? What career should I have to make money? Why does the degree I got in college not have anything to do with the the career that I have? Um, (laughs) Planning for marriage or not to get married. If we have, if I have, if we have kids, how many? Planning to buy a house, planning to buy a car. Then it becomes planning so you don't have to work, right? Eventually later on. And when things don't go according to plan... It can be really frustrating, right? And this has been the story of our lives for the last couple years. 
for kids and for students. Most of you plan on going to school every day. Do your sports and activities, and overnight, that all changed. If you're a college student, your plans to go to college in person and have that experience, that changed. Instead, it meant paying tuition and doing class at your dining room table or your bedroom or something like that. For many adults, it meant working not in the office but at home, and some people love that and some do not love that. Uh, It meant missing out on the loss of vacations and plans like that. For the church, it meant going online to do services pretty much overnight. It meant that we couldn't gather in person, and when we could, we couldn't sing, and then we could sing, and then we couldn't sing. And it meant color-coded bathroom stalls and sitting every other row six feet apart. And for the youth ministry, it meant we literally took one of those wheeled measuring tapes on this hill and spray-painted chalks every six feet, a spot where they could sit. That's what it was like. And crazy. It meant that movies like Top Gun that were supposed to come out two years ago just now came out, right? I haven't seen it, so don't tell me, but I'm hoping to see that soon. I hear it's amazing. We couldn't go to concerts or sporting events. Favorite TV shows couldn't be filmed. Crazy. And for a culture that puts a high value on achievement and planning for the future, this was our worst nightmare, right? When our plans don't work out, And this is the theme this morning. We need to trust God, and sometimes we have to pivot, which means switch directions. It means turn away from our plans to follow his. Now, the mindset of achievement and planning is ingrained in us, in our culture, at a young age. It wasn't that long ago when my kids were in eighth grade, and we were planning out their classes for high school, the whole scope of high school, and the question of, well, what do you want to do with your life? I'm sure that if you're a graduate, you've been asked a thousand times already, what are you doing next? What are you doing? What's the plan? Where are you going? Where are you going to school? Are you working? What are you doing? And uh, my plan in high school, so I feel like uh, the further time has gone on, the earlier we've had to decide these things, right? I was a junior in high school. My plan A was to be a professional basketball and baseball player. (laughs) Never been done. That plan died when I got cut from both teams in ninth grade. So that plan, yeah, that plan didn't work out. So then I was like, well, I started thinking about my future. Well, what could it be? One, I could uh, be a teacher. You know, I love younger people. I could teach them and invest in young people. Or better yet, plan two was I could be a doctor where I could help people and serve and make some good money doing that too, right? So in high school, though, I kind of flew under the radar And midway through my junior year, I got a note from my school guidance counselor to go see her in her office. And I walked in, and she said to me, Dan, I have no idea who you are. That's what she said. How have you gone through high school, and we haven't talked at all? And that wasn't really true, because we had met and planned classes. But I was like, oh, you know. But she didn't remember me. She's literally, I'm, I'm more than halfway through high school. This gets better, though. Shortly after... I was called to the career counselor's office. Anybody ever do that? Like get to call and you got to take this battery of tests. What are you good at? What career should you do? And after about an hour of tests, I met with my career counselor. He had his uh, wire-rimmed glasses on. He looked at me across the table. He said, Dan, what are your plans for the future? What do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I've been thinking about younger, I love young people, so... 
thinking I could be a teacher. Or better yet, I could be a doctor. And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, Dan, your grades are terrible. You will never be a doctor. You need to pick something else. Can you say that to a 17-year-old? Like, is that okay to say that? No, that's what I was told. So, I mean, there was some truth to what he said, yeah. But wow, I was even more confused about what I was going to do with my life. So I want to pause here for a sec, and I want you to think about this question. What is something that you planned out, but you had to pivot because God had a different idea? Take a minute, turn to the people around you, and just, just see if you can come up with something. What is a plan that you had that you had to change because God had a different idea? Ready, set, go. Just talk amongst yourself just for a minute. sound like there's some fun going on here. And I won't uh, ask you to blurt them out, but I'll just I'll do some broad categories. And if this fits you, if your plan changed, it had something to do with uh, college you went to was, or something like that, raise your hand. Was that something that changed? How about a relationship with someone? Okay, that changed things. Uh, a career change, a move. All, I mean, there are many broad categories and many things where we have planned things out. And It doesn't turn out the way we thought it would, right? This morning, friends, we're going to go back to, after an amazing missions-themed month, we're going to go back to the book of James, and we're going to be in chapter 4, and I want to give you a little bit of background, because you probably forgot, it's been a while, so I want to give you a little background. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus. Now, think about this. James grew up with Jesus. They probably shared a room. They got in some arguments, not sinful ones, but they got in arguments, right? They, he, he watched his big brother. Uh, I wonder at one point when James, was like, it clicked, and he was like, oh, my brother's the Messiah. I mean, I wonder when, what that point that was. What's really going on here? He saw Jesus eventually be captured. He saw him be crucified. Then he saw him resurrected. Then he ascended, went up into heaven. And James ended up following his his uh, brother's steps in ministry and became a pastor leader in the early Jerusalem church. And its primary audience, he was writing with Jewish Christians. And a theme that comes out in the book of James over and over is how do you practically live out your faith in God in your everyday life? I like to think James is the kind of a friend that you know loves you and has the ability to speak obvious truth into your life that sometimes stings a little but you know it's important and true. So this morning, we're looking at James 4, 13 to 17. And in this passage, James is speaking to some merchants, specifically business people, who had some great plans. But this, there's a lot that we can take away from this. So let's get into it. Verse 13, it says, Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town, and we're going to stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. 
Now, business travel was common in that time, and it's natural that a good business person would make careful plans, arranging both sales and purchases far ahead of time. That makes sense. Apparently, though, they were planning you know, a year and ahead. We're, gonna, we're going to do this. There's a lot of confidence here. How many of you would say you are a planner? Just raise your hand up. You are a planner. So uh, planning is good. I, it makes sense, right? We need to have a good plan to make the most out of our day. We plan our days, weeks, months, years. We have backup plans for our plans and backup plans for our backup plans. I like a good plan. But how many of you would say, you know, not so much a planner. Raise your hand up. Anybody? Okay. Uh, you tend to go with the flow. Uh, spontaneous. A plan inhibits your creativity, right? I mean, not, not everybody's the same. It would be boring if that was the case. But how many of you are in a relationship where one of you is a planner and one of you is not a planner? Anybody in that situation? Okay. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? And that's a whole other... Well, uh, we have some marriage classes coming up here, I think, in the near future. We'll, we'll encourage that. Planning is not bad. We should plan. But how do we balance making our plans and trusting God with his plans for our life? In verse 14, it says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Some of the merchants, the business people that James is writing to, they're, they maybe, they're starting to believe that they only control the events of their life, and they fail to recognize God's sovereignty or his authority. Do we ever do that? Do you ever get caught up in your plans and lose track of God's? Like a fog, our life can fade away at any moment. Some translations call it uh, mist or vapor, and it's meant to communicate brevity. It's a short time that we're here on this earth, right? To us, life seems long, and we measure it in years, but in comparison to eternity, life is but a vapor. We count out our birthdays by years, but God tells us to number our days. In my experience, what I'm learning, the older I get, it seems like the faster life goes. And so since our scope Our life in the scope of eternity is brief. We can't afford to just spend our lives, and we for sure don't want to waste our lives, right? We must invest our lives in those things that are eternal. We need to make the most of this life that we have been given. So in verse 15, James writes, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. So on one hand, it's like, I have plans. I want to do this. But then we should say, well, what is... The Lord's plans, and that's faith, right? Faith maintains the awareness that we are each dependent on God. And faith frees us to relax in the assurance of his loving guidance for our lives. It's freeing. Asking the question, if the Lord wants me to or wants us to, is an attitude of the heart. Jesus had that attitude when he said, in John, he, wrote, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The Apostle Paul had that attitude and often wrote to the churches about God's will as he shared his, and as he shared his plans with friends. And he didn't consider the will of God a chain that shackled him, but a key that opened the doors and set him free in life. See, God's will for our lives um, is, well, it's, 
it comes from Scripture, right? Like, that's the primary way that he speaks to us. And so in this dance of, like, these are my plans, and yeah, I'm a planner, and that's, that's great, but am I going to the source? Am I going to where God, and through his word, I understand what his plans are for my life and for our life? Some of God's will is general. His plan is for everybody. Like, for example, that all will come to know him. That all of the followers of Jesus will rejoice and will pray and will give thanks in all circumstances. But some of God's will is very, very specific to us, to each person, your life, your calling, what you're meant to do with your life. To know God's will, to understand his will, we need to go to the Bible because that, like I said, is the primary way he speaks to us. I always tell that to students. Prayer is the primary way you speak to God. Reading scripture is the primary way he speaks to you. But what happens when we take, begin to plan and things go well and we start to take credit? Pride begins to creep in. And in verse 16, it says, Otherwise, you are boasting about your own potential or pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's how that passage finishes. The root of boasting is pride. And pride, in essence, is saying, God, I know better than you do. Right? Ouch. Sounds foolish. I know better than God. I can't control future events. I don't know or have the wisdom to see into the future. So, to, so boasting and having pride in our life, and I just say, well, I did this, is, in essence, taking the credit and making yourself like God. And that's, Scripture's very clear about that, right? James is pointing out here that our decisions must be based on submission to God's will. And what you ought to do is ask, what does the Lord want for my life? What does he want me to do? The big idea this morning I want you to take away from this is this. It says, make sure your plans are rooted in his plans so that you don't end up taking the credit. And sometimes we just need to pivot, and that's okay. Make your plans. Do that. But sometimes things don't work out the way we plan them. And the more that we invest in our relationship with God, the more scripture we spend, the more that I ask God, my will be aligned with your will. Faith comes in direct conflict with pride. And as humans, our tendency is to rely on ourselves. And when we do arrogance and boasting and a belief that our lives are under our control rather than God's. And that's likely to grow when we have more success in this life. When our business is doing well, yeah, we're going to plan a year out. We're going to go make here, and we're going to make this profit, and it's going to be awesome. Faith maintains the awareness that we are each dependent on God, and faith frees us so freeing to relax in the assurance of his loving guidance for our lives. Faith in God's plan at times will call for the need to pivot and go a different direction. And as I finish this up, I... Here's some, some real talk. I'm, I'm, I wrestle with this. When we're in a stage of life, when we don't have much, maybe we're broke or we're alone or we're in a place where we feel lost. And in those times, we look to God in desperation and in faith, and we pray and hope and believe that he has a plan and that he's going to provide and take care of us. 
he will come to our rescue and we trust and we beg and plead, God, help. And some of us are in that place right now where that's your prayer. God, help. I'm in this situation and I need your help. I need your plan. But some of us, it's been a while. And I think that when we begin to experience some success with our plans, when money is not as big of an issue, we begin to experience success in school or sports or career or relationships. The more successful we become, the less faith it takes. That we, and we begin to lose that. And the less credit we give to God for the way he has blessed us. And it's easy for us to um, begin taking credit instead of giving him the honor for what he's done for us and taking care of us. I want to live in that tension. I, I want to live by faith no matter what stage I'm in, trusting God for his plan for my life. I vividly remember the season of my life, post-career counselor, right, um, where I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? And I remember the night that I had to pivot, and I was kneeling at an altar at a youth service, and God spoke to me clearly, like, inside of me. I knew it. And he said, Dan, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm calling you to do, to be a pastor, was clear as day and not at all what I expected. I, I had to pivot. I didn't, couldn't figure it out on my own, but I trusted him and he made a way. What have been, friends, those moments in your life where you've had to pivot to God's plan and you look back and you go, yeah, that's why that happened. Yeah, oh yeah. Didn't make sense at the time, but wow, it does make sense now, right? You might be sitting here today um, and you think, wow, this sounds great, but I don't even have a relationship with God. I'm not even sure if I want to. And I want to say that God's promises are not just about what happens after this life is over, but the promise that he will walk with you in it every day, guiding your steps. God will not ask you to do something that he's not willing to help you do and to live out, Right? So you might be here this morning, and that's you. And I want to encourage you later when we have our prayer team come forward. If you're in a place you're like, yeah, I'm wrestling with this. I want God's plan. I mean, I want what he wants. That sounds good. To not be responsible all for myself, that sounds great. Because it's not working out. My plan just keeps failing. It's not working. Trusting God, seeking, even asking the question, giving him a chance to do that. Some of you, maybe you're on the fence and you go back and forth. I trust God with my plans. No, I don't. I like my plans. I trust God. We can be often blown like a leaf in the wind, right? Depending on how we feel, depending on the day. And not have our life at all, as he said, rooted in his plan. And so I'm going to encourage you, maybe your wrestling with God today and you've been back and forth about trusting him or yourself and maybe today's the the day we go you know what I surrender maybe today's the day you go I'm done doing that I'm done trying to figure that out on my own I've been going back and forth I'm this way at church 
in my small group, and this way at work, and this way at school, and this way at home. Like, yeah, I need to decide, and I need to trust him, and I want that. And then, for the rest of us, I just want to ask, in what areas of your life are you taking the credit instead of giving it to God? Where have you lost faith? Is your life so comfortable that you've allowed yourself to become complacent rather than walk by faith? And what areas of your life do you need to, to go, yeah, I really need to put more. I, I, know, I know what I should do, but I need to do it, right? Let's put my faith and trust in him fully. I've known God. I've, he's, I've walked with him for most of my life. But there's a, still a daily decision that I've had to make and I don't always make it every day, right? God, I submit to you. God, I want what you want today. I trust you today. I've been taking credit for this in my life. I've been doing this in my own strength. I need to go back to the point where, to the cross, to, to central, to center, where I'm rooted in his plan. I want to pray for you as the worship team comes back up here. Lord, Your word says in Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And in a culture, in a world where we put a high value on planning and, and, and deciding and determining our steps, God, help us to return to, our, to go, return to or go to a place of faith. To return to assumes that we've been there. And for some of us, maybe we haven't been there yet. Lord, want... Um, you in this moment to speak to us each in different ways. That's how amazing you are. That you in this moment can speak to several people a different thing at the same time because you're God and you're powerful. And I ask, Lord God, that you would do that today by your Holy Spirit. Whether we're, we haven't yet fully committed our life to you, whether we've been walking the fence or whether we've had a relationship with you, but we're not living in the faith that we should. God, I ask right now that you would just give things in our, each of our minds and in our hearts that we would deal with. We wouldn't go, ah, oh, it doesn't apply to me because it applies to all of us. So Lord, I ask that you would speak to us in this moment. As we worship, we invite you into this place. We ask that you, Lord, would please move in our lives. That we take the practical advice that James wrote to Merchants about and business people, and we talk about our plans, and that you would um, you would use that and speak that to us today practically in Jesus' name. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us at 9 or 11 a.m. any Sunday morning, 1400 Larrabee Ave, Bellingham, Washington.